This is DeRay Olalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 154. Cowabunga! Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. Over the past few weeks, you guys have been uh, sending in your questions, whether it's been through Facebook, it's been through Instagram DMs, it's been through Boxer, it's been through emails. I've gotten in all your questions and I've compiled quite a few for us to have a full length episode today. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to do some shout outs. Some of my loyal listeners have uh, went to iTunes or went to Spotify, went to their platform of choice where they listen to this podcast and they've left some five star reviews. So review number one comes from Mr. P. Watts. He says, fantastic episode. The information DeRay provides is bar none to any other real estate podcast. He provides valuable information for free that anyone else would charge thousands for. I love that he teaches us how to achieve lifestyle design business and his guests have the same mindset. We all want to be location, time, and financially free. This is the podcast to listen to for all of the above. Thanks, DeRay. Well, thank you, Mr. P. Watt. Thank you for your five stars and for listening to the Before the Man's podcast. We have another review, and this is from Immigrant Investor. And this review goes like this. Fuego, and then you see the flame emoji. Actually, the title is an understatement. DeRay leads with so much value, either on his solo episodes or when he brings on guests. Value stacked on value, stacked on value. As a content consumer and creator, I'm inspired. I'm hooked. I'm taking notes. Thanks, DeRay. Well, thank you, Immigrant Investor. That's a beautiful review. Those are five stars. And guys, if you haven't yet left a review on the Before the Man's podcast, what are you waiting for? Right. I want to get your feedback. I want to know exactly what you think of the podcast. And this is low key a way for us to market to more people, for us to show iTunes and some of these podcast aggregators that our content is valuable and they're going to broadcast our content to a lot more people. So make sure you head into your uh, your directory and you leave a review, uh, preferably a five star review. OK, uh, because I told you guys last week that I was going to have a bottle during these listener questions and I just popped it open so you won't get that pop sound just yet. But hopefully you will get that pop sound when I pour my second glass. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and get my wine ready. And guys, I'm not a big drinker whatsoever. Actually, very seldom ever drink. Um, But when I do drink, if I do drink, it's going to be some red wine. 
So for today, we have a bottle of Kendall Jackson. So for those of you who are watching on Facebook, uh, you guys can see the bottle. Uh, it's a Pinot Noir 2017. And I've already had this bottle before. It's a beautiful bottle. Um, so I'm going to enjoy this as I get through these listener Q&As. So if I start slurring, then you know why I'm just playing. Uh, but ultimately, I really seldom ever drink. And if I am going to drink, it's going to be wine. If I drink anything outside of that, it's probably like once a year. It has to be like New Year's or something, right? Something, uh, something really, really big. Uh, but again, today we have that Kendall Jackson. And I'm going to go ahead and take my first sip. So let's go ahead and pull up our listener questions and let's get this party started. Very first question. Question number one reads like this. Dore, how can I make some quick extra income during these uncertain times? And that is a beautiful, beautiful question. I'm not shielded from the economic effects of COVID-19. Um, I am very much in this with all of us, and um, I am experiencing some of these setbacks in different portions and areas of my business. So I've had to do some thinking and some digging as well, some rearranging, and it's been a learning experience. It's been a little bit fun. It's been a little bit challenging, but ultimately it's a chance for growth and it's a chance for me to reinforce um, how my business can and will operate during downturns and during recessions. With that being said, I want to make sure that I'm providing you with optimal advice in terms of making some quick extra income. So I'll run through a few ideas that you may or may not have already implemented, and hopefully this will spark some new interest in your life. Hopefully it'll spark some new streams in your life. One thing that's not so common is affiliate income. Now, this is popular in the online space, but not really all that popular in the real estate space. So I want you to consider different streams of affiliate income. Now, this is income that you can earn quickly, right? This is not income that it's going to take a year, two years, three years, five years for you to start building up. This can, I mean, you can have an affiliate account and have affiliate offers as soon as tomorrow, next week, next month, right? So ultimately how these things work is let's just say you have a friend or you have a partner or myself, for instance, you know, a coach and consultant, you have somebody in your vicinity who has a valuable product that you use, that you enjoy. Um, I remember when I first started the podcast back in 2017, my very first affiliate relationship was with Audible because I read about 40, sometimes 50 books a year. And I consume a lot of those books through audio. It's behoove of me for my listeners when they're asking, hey, DeRay, what books should I read? Or how do you recommend I read these books? Or how are you getting through these books so fast? It would be behoove of me to be like, oh, just go to beforethemans.com forward slash book. You can do the same thing, whether or not you have a podcast or a platform. I mean, you, it can be um, it can be something that you just offer to your friends. But ultimately, you're making affiliate income by uh, endorsing somebody else's product because you use it, because you enjoy it. And you would know and you know that other people would get benefit from that. Um, so that's affiliate income. Me personally, some of my top affiliates are uh, PropStream. 
which is a real estate investor all-in-one tool, all-in-one solution. I love PropStream. I use PropStream in my business every single day. All of my clients use PropStream. Uh, all of my students use PropStream. Uh, it helps me analyze deals, find deals. It helps me market to deals. It does almost everything in my business. That's over at beforethemillions.com forward slash deal. D-E-A-L. That's one of my highest earning affiliates as of today. Another one of my highest earning affiliates as of today is Fundrise. And that's over at beforethemans.com forward slash Fundrise. Fundrise is a crowdfunding platform for real estate investors. So I invest a portion of my net worth in Fundrise. And Fundrise right now during this economic disaster, um, they've kept us at bay. They, I got my Q1 dividends and I got a ton of updates from the founders and they've sent out podcast episodes. They're doing a really, really good job of staying on top of things and being diligent. And I like that. But again, I've been with Fundrise for the past three or four years. They've been amazing. So I always recommend Fundrise to everyone I come across, even if you're not yet a real estate investor. So that's over at beforethemans.com forward slash Fundrise. And those are my top two affiliates. Um, so that's how I, that's some ways that I have some extra revenue coming in, into the business during these uncertain times. Another thing you can do is you can teach your skills, right? If you have a skill, if you have a trait, if you have a hobby, if you're great at something, if you're passionate about something, you can teach those in an online format. And I'll get to a little bit more about how I teach in an online format, but I'll also get to a little bit more about how I teach other people to teach in an online format um, and have masterminds and things of that nature, because I think it's really important right now. Everything's switching to digital. I mean, if you're quarantined, you're working from home, you're on Zoom, you're 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 doing things that you haven't normally done in, as an employee and or as an employer. So it's be it's behoove of us to utilize this platform again to make some additional income if we're great at something, if we're skilled at something, right? So think about teaching your skills. Okay. I've been great at um cultivating a group of people, right, and teaching my real estate strategy. So once I learned how to cultivate a group of people, how to market to students, how to um, how to enroll students in my into my programs, I wanted to teach other thought leaders, other potential content creators. Right. Whether you're a real estate agent, whether you're a real estate investor, uh, whatever it is, I want to be able to teach you how you can leverage what you've learned and what you do to help other people get started in that path as well. So that's another thing you can do. You can teach your skills. Thing number three real estate income. Again, it we are in uncertain times and it may you may feel as though things are tightening up, it's harder to get loans and things of that nature. We'll dive into all of that here on today's listener Q&A, but ultimately there are still real estate strategies and different vehicles in real estate that are seeing an uptick. So I want to make sure that you're pursuing real estate in the right way. When you think about how can I make some quick extra income, right? Again, I talked about Fundrise earlier, right? Investing in Fundrise um, is a way to to have dividends, again, um, paid out to you quarterly, right? Um, still searching for properties, still being an investor, right? Searching for cash flowing properties, maybe trying to do a few wholesales uh, uh, every now and again. Um, fixing and flipping, not so much in this market, right? But ultimately... There are things in real estate that you can use to facilitate your current situation, right? I even did a podcast episode last year, and I think we're going to re-release it here shortly, but I did a podcast episode last year with Andre Hatchett. And on this podcast episode, we talked about loan signing agents, 
right? And loan signing agents are those agents who walk you through your contracts. When you're buying a home, when you're selling a home, right? You have to sign a few contracts that, that ultimately end up in the title company's hands, right? Those contracts, when you're filling those out, a loan signing agent is walking you through those contracts. And as a loan signing agent, you can get paid anywhere from $80 to $150, $200 per appointment. Now again, guys, all of the, all of the affiliates and he's an affiliate as well, by the way, all of the affiliates that I have, um, I use their products. I believe in their service. So in order for Andre to become an affiliate over at beforethemillions.com, actually it's over at lifestylenotary.com. I created a, an entirely different link for Andre. It's over at lifestylenotary.com. And in order for Andre to have become an affiliate, similar to all of my other affiliate products like Fundrise and PropStream, I needed to test out his product and make sure that it worked. So one of the first things I did after enrolling in his product was I went to go see if I can conduct, conduct a signing. And my very first signing, I was paid $150. And again, guys, I charged $300 per hour. Right. So I started to think this is not worth my time. Why would I ever do this? And Ultimately, I decided that this is a brilliant way to make some extra side income, especially on days where you don't have a whole lot to do. Um, as a full-time entrepreneur, there are different days where I'm just like, dude, let's just go do a signing. But my first signing took about 35 minutes and I made $150. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is interesting. I think I did like two more that week and ended up making $500. And this was a total invested time of an hour and a half. And I was just like, imagine, you know, people who are maybe not in my position, maybe don't have coaching programs, maybe don't have a higher hourly rate, but can see how valuable this is. Right. People should and could jump on this. This is an amazing opportunity. It takes about two, three weeks to get set up, to get started, to get your notary license, to get to learn all about loan signings. And then you're off and running. It's super easy. So ultimately, again, that's over at beforethemans.com. I'm sorry. Again, that's over at lifestylenotary.com. And that'll take you straight to Andre's courses to teach you all about how to get started. Uh, but that's my affiliate link as well. Uh, so ultimately, these signings can take anywhere from 10 minutes, like literally 10 minutes, to 40, 50 minutes, maybe an hour, depending on, you know, if you're just now getting acclimated with some of the contracts. And again, this puts you in a better position to learn about these contracts that you're going to need to know about anyways, as a real estate investor. So this is, Again, this is all under the umbrella of real estate income. There are tons of different ways to make money in real estate. Research and find some more, but definitely try some of these. Try loan signing agents. And if you're worried about the current state of, you know, just your immune system and trying to, you know, catching viruses and things of that nature, there are online versions of loan signing as well, loan signings as well. So ultimately, uh, the entire industry is not going to move all online overnight, but there are opportunities for you to do this online. I don't know the specifics about this, and I'm sure Andre covers this somewhere, but there are ways in which you don't have to meet up with individuals to get loan signing done. So definitely check that out as well and do your own research. Last but not least, government assistance. Again, the umbrella is how can I make some quick extra income during these uncertain times? And government assistance is a big one. Do not take this one lightly. There are currently that I know of four different programs, relief programs that you can begin to think about and, and start applying for if not, if you haven't applied already. Well, there's actually only three that you can apply for. The first one you can apply for, it's automatic. So the first one is the stimulus check. 
And some of you, most of you may have already received your stimulus check if you fall into the category that's able to receive a stimulus check, which I think is a full stimulus check of 1200 is under um, under a salary of 75 K a year. And it'll be portioned off from 75 K to 99 K. I believe you may want to check irs.gov. Um, but ultimately, after like 100K, I don't think you're entitled to anything. Again, uh, you'll know if the money's in your account, then you know you got the stimulus check. If it's not, then you also know that as well. And again, they don't, you don't, there, there's no requirement for you to submit any applications or anything like that. The government has your tax return information from 2018, if not already from 2019. So ultimately, they're going to use that as your mailing address. I mean, uh, they're going to use that as your bank account information to send you your stimulus check. It's $1,200 per individual. I think an extra, a couple hundred extra dollars for your dependents and things of that nature. Um, again, find out more information over at irs.gov. Uh, but that's one of the government assistant programs. Another program is the unemployment program. So the unemployment program works like this. It's very different than it normally works because normally you think of unemployment as, oh, I don't have a job or I got fired or laid off or whatever the case may be. That's when I go apply for unemployment. Um, so they've actually changed the guidelines for unemployment because of COVID-19. So now as independent contractors, as self-employed individuals, you now fall in the umbrella who can apply for unemployment. So you, yes, you can and should take advantage of this opportunity. This is one you have to apply for, and this is going to vary by state. So make sure you check with your state and see what the rules and regulations are and make sure that you get whatever money you're entitled to. Next up, we have, um, as far as the government assistance program, is the EIDL program. Uh, and the EIDL program is a program where as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you're entitled to a certain grant, right? And originally the grant was up to 10K. And then there was some confusion about the wording of the grant. And um, that's not by any error. They do that on purpose. And we'll get to that. There was some confusion about the wording of the grant. So it was interpreted that um, it was no longer uh, a grant in which you were going to be able to receive 10K, but rather you'd be able to receive $1,000. So when the SBA caught wind of this, they were like, no, like we we and our intention was for this grant to be granted at 10K, not at 1K. So make sure that that's the guidelines that you guys are following the people giving out the grants. Right. Um, so ultimately, uh, you can qualify for a grant up to 10K. Now, I'm not too sure on the particulars yet of the EIDL program. I'm actually, it's in the background of my computer where I'm just now starting to fill out the application. So I'll know more about this once I filled out the application, once I've heard from other people, but they haven't yet released funds to anyone. They haven't approved or denied anyone yet. So it's something that they're still trying to figure out. The, the wording is very cryptic and it's very cryptic cryptic because they don't yet know what direction they want to go and they want to leave room for changing their mind or going back and saying this and or going forward and saying that right so ultimately it's just a wait and see type um type of grant but you should apply as soon as possible so that's the eidl um and this is all over at sba.gov so not only will you see the eidl but you'll also see number four which is the the ppp the payment protection program or the payment protection plan and the PPP only applies to you as a business owner who has employees. 
Okay. Or it could also actually apply to you if you're a sole proprietor and you're an employee in your business and your business is profitable. Okay. So what they're going to do with the PPP, and I think you can even, um, I think you can get up to 2 million with this. Again, don't, don't check all facts, check all facts. And these things are, are definitely changing, but I think you can get up to 2 million with this, but it's based on your profit per month. So let's just say your profit last year, uh, cause they'll, they'll, they'll look at your tax return. Let's say your profit last year in your business was six grand. That means you were making $500 a month in profit. So six grand divided by 12 months is $500. And then you take $500 times 2.5. Right. So that is the amount that you're entitled to under the PPP program. Uh, so that is what fifteen hundred or uh, one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars that you'd be entitled to under that program. Um, again, this is primarily for business owners who have employees so that you're not laying off your employees so that again, all of these programs are really to help stimulate the economy. Right. I had a few friends this morning that they were like, hey, we just got our stimulus check. We're about to go buy stocks and invest and, you know, things of that nature. I'm not opposed to that, but that's exactly what the stimulus check wasn't meant for. Right. They want you to go spend money on groceries. They want you to go pump money into the economy so that our economy does not crash. That's why all of these relief funds and programs are being issued right now and at a rapid rate. Uh, we want to make sure that we continue to stimulate the economy. So, uh, wow. Question number one, that was a whole lot of different ways to make some extra money. Hopefully that was helpful. Uh, that was valuable to you and you can pick two or three, maybe even four of the different things that we've discussed and, um, stabilize your income. Question number two, is it possible to virtually wholesale from Nigeria? So the answer to that question is yes, it is definitely possible. You can do anything. But let's talk about the level of difficulty and we'll spend too long on this question, but the level of difficulty is rather high, especially if you don't yet. It's actually would almost be impossible, but especially if you don't, if you haven't yet visited the United States or if you haven't yet visited the area that you want to invest, if you haven't yet built up connections in the local market, if you don't have resources and people that you can turn to that can run your business or do all the all of the on the ground work that needs to be done as an investor. Um, you know, I grew up here in Texas and more specifically where I invest in Houston and Dallas, like it wasn't a situation where I just called up one of the cities and I was just like, oh, let me build up my team. Let me get a contractor. Let me let me get an agent and all these other things and just kind of start virtually wholesaling like that. Ultimately, I entrenched myself in meetups. I talked to people. I asked for connections. I met, I had lunches with different individuals. I did interviews, right? So I was able to build up my team so that when I do travel, when I am in Mexico for a month, which I just came back from, I can virtually wholesale. I can virtually take down rental properties, right? It's, it's a situation where I first built the foundation and then I went virtual. Uh, doing it virtually from the jump is going to be really challenging. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be very, very challenging, but it's not impossible. You just have to have a strong network locally. So I hope that helps. For rentals, what should we do if tenants decide not to pay? This is question number three. Okay, so here are my thoughts. Uh, I was in a group chat the other day and I saw this, this, um, I think it was a, a collection of tweets from an individual who actually is in the Houston market. And I think he owns like a 30 unit building or a 60 unit building. I don't know. 
something in that range. And that's his only investment property. That's only his only source of income. And with a unit mix that size, uh, it's a great source of income. Uh, but as, as his only source of income, it's also very scary. So I believe one of the tenants got a hold of all the other tenant emails and sent out a t- mass you know, email and said, hey, like, let's decide to stop paying rent. So this owner, this investor was no longer collecting rent from the tenants as of last month. And obviously, you know, the question is, well, what do you do? And it looks like he didn't know what to do. And I can't remember the turnout of that situation. It was, it was about a week or, or so ago when I first read the story. But I got quite a few questions from people asking, what would you do? Or what's the best thing to do in a situation like this? And ultimately, it's not a great position to be in, right? It, it definitely sucks. And my biggest advice and what I'm doing now, what I've been doing since early March, is being proactive, not reactive, He's in a situation where he has to be reactive because he wasn't being proactive, right? He has to be reactive to what the market is saying. He has to be reactive to what the tenants have now decided to do. He has to take action based off those actions. Whereas I would take the approach where I would reach out to my tenants. I would talk and I have talked to my tenants asking them what's going on. What what are their current circumstances? Uh, the ones that need help, the ones that have gotten laid off, the ones that are not maybe unemployed, but they're underemployed. They're not getting paid as much as they were getting before. We're having those conversations early. We're, we're making game plans. We're testing and tweaking things, right? From security deposits, hey, maybe we use half of your security deposit to cover this month, right? There, and then going back to the government programs, when you think about what those programs are meant for, Most people are going to get their stimulus check. Most people are going to get those grants and those loans, and they're going to do what's most important to them. So if you think about what's most important to us, most people, it's going to be their food. It's going to be what what are we eating? How do we survive day by day? Right. Uh, Maybe it might be tissue for a lot of people. I don't know, but it's going to be their food. And then number two, how are we going to survive? Right. Where are we going to live? How? I mean, number two is rent naturally right? Or your mortgage, a lot of people are going to first turn to food and then they're going to turn to the second most important thing, which is a mortgage. So unlike the stock market, there's no, there's no, you know, the stock market, like your stocks can drop 40 to 70% and the, the, the government is not going to issue a relief indirectly to help you recover that, right? But ultimately as real estate investors with these stimulus checks and these grants and these loan programs, we're indirectly benefiting because we're the, it's almost like we're, we're the first line of defense when it comes to who people are going to pay. So we have a little bit more stability. So again, one, be proactive. Start to figure out win-win solutions for the both of you guys. Two, understand that the government is helping as much as, as much as possible because nobody in the government wants this economy to fail. And ultimately three is this. Lenders are obviously tightening up their requirements to get loans, right? But on the opposite end of that, lenders are also loosening up their requirements and loosening up and being more lenient with individuals who currently have outstanding loans but are not able to pay because maybe tenants moved out or tenants are not paying or tenants lost their job. So landlords are not able to cover their monthly expenses, their monthly mortgage. So 
lenders are being a lot more lenient because they don't want to foreclose. We don't know the, where the economy is going. There's so much unknown and they need to make sure that they can provide and help their landlords. Again, everything is built around helping us as landlords, us as investors, us as, us as business owners. Again, you're not getting these types of bailouts in the stock market. It just doesn't happen, right? But lenders are finding ways to help us. So if you need to modify your loan, if you need to defer your payments, they're all open to all types of solutions. If not, they already have some solutions waiting for you. You just have to call your lender. And if you're able to not pay your mortgage for the next three months, it's so much easier to pass those benefits down to your tenants, right? Because just as much as you're not able to pay your mortgage, right? You're, you're instead of collecting that tenant uh, that, that money from those tenants when you're not paying your mortgage anyways, you're passing that savings on down to them while they're working on getting on their feet, while they're working on getting back on track, while we're all working on getting this economy back stimulated. So there's there's quite a few lines of defenses when it comes to what to do if tenants are not paying. Um, I'd be proactive about that situation and I'll just follow the rules of them that I just laid out for you guys. Okay. Question number four, DeRay. What are your 2020 market predictions? As I take a sip of wine or two sips of wine, rather. So my 2020 market predictions. First and foremost, I want to let you know that I am no economist. I am no data miner. I am just a lowly investor paying attention to what's going on around me. And if you want professional advice from a data miner, from an economist, uh, things of that nature, then listen to episode 151 of my podcast, the Before the Mayans podcast. That's over at beforethemayans.com forward slash episode 151, where I interview just that, a data miner, a professional data miner, Mr. Neil Bawa. And he's also a real estate investor. So Tons of insights, tons of nuggets. But on that episode, we talk about how to find the perfect market to invest during these uncertain times. We talk about the state of the market. We talk about the best quarters to invest here in 2020 and where we see the market going. It's fascinating. And that's where we turn to for the experts. Now, what I've been noticing in my own backyard and what I what I project to happen here in 2020, as far as my own personal thoughts and opinions, are this. As much as... It's going to be a great benefit to us to get these loans and these stimulus checks and these grants of different nature. These things are going to hurt a lot of people as well. Let's just be honest. Most people are not natural money managers. Most people don't know how to handle finances. And again, you you know that if you can't manage a thousand dollars. There's no way you can manage a million dollars. Like it just doesn't change because you have more money. That's not how things work. So here's what I believe is what's going to happen over the next few months. You know, again, a lot of investors, a lot of homeowners are going to opt to what I told you. They're going to call their lender and they're going to get loan deferments. They're going to get loan mods. They're going to try to find a way to just last for the next few months until we can get back on track. If it only lasts a few months. Right. And I'm not sure if most people know how these things work, but ultimately these loan mods, these deferments don't 
work how you would think they work. Like they're not going to take, like, let's just say you're paying your mortgage and your mortgage is $1,500 a month, right? So let's just say in April, May, and June, you don't pay your mortgage because you got your loan deferred. Your lender said, hey, it's okay. We're being super lenient right now. We understand what's going on. We're going to go ahead and defer your payments. Don't worry about it. Just make sure that you take care of yourself and you stay quarantined. Cool? Cool. So for the next three months, you haven't paid your mortgage. And they've, they've done this for a, as a courtesy for three months. And then July 1st comes around and it's time to start paying your mortgage again. So again, your mortgage is $1,500. But one thing that you don't realize about these deferments is that they're not just going to take that $4,500 that you owe from the past three months and spread it across the rest of your loan. They're not going to take it and add it to the back end of your loan for you to worry about later. They're going to call that due on July 1st along with your $1,500 payment. Again, this is most lenders and most banks. So check with your lender, check with your bank and see what's going on, what they're offering, how they're offering these deferment programs and pay attention to the words that they're using because they like to be sly sometimes. Pay attention to the wordage, pay attention to the dates, how things are being organized and ultimately make sure that you're getting to the bottom of how the loan is is uh, being restructured. Some loan programs, they're going to say, hey, maybe what we're going to do is take that $4,500 and spread it over the over the next three months. So July, August, and September, so that you don't have to pay $4,500 plus $1,500 in July, but you'll maybe pay $4,500 or you'll maybe pay $1,500 for July. And then we'll split those, you know, those three months of payments that you missed. We'll split those over the next three months. So you'll be paying $3,000 a month for three months until things get back to normal. Right. That, that's an option. And I don't know if that's an option for all lenders, but that's definitely one of the options that they're highly likely to give you because they'll give you they won't just tell you one thing. They'll give you a few different options. So ultimately, again, a lot of people are going to get in trouble by this. A lot of people are going to mismanage their finances. Some people may still be collecting rent while having their loan on deferment just to buy some extra groceries, just to make sure they have a little bit in reserve, just to take care of the car, right? Whatever the case may be, things come up, medical bills. And you're going to see a lot of investors and a lot of homeowners get in trouble in Q2 and Q3 just because of this alone, because they're mismanaging their finances, because they're not doing the 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 right thing uh, for their financial future, because they don't understand how these loan programs work. So when it comes to the state of the market, I think there's going to be massive opportunity for all of us investors who know how to take down and cater to those types of homeowners and investors. If we can learn skills and strategies, which we'll get to here in a moment, to be able to capitalize on that and help those people out of their situations, um, we're going to we're going to be able to take down a lot of properties this year, guys. So definitely stay tuned. Those are just my personal feelings and my personal 2020 market predictions. But we'll see what happens. Right. And I'll keep you guys posted. So the next question actually flows right into uh, the last question, which is what is the what is the best strategy for these uncertain times? So the best strategy, in my personal opinion, and I only use strategies with no money, no cash, no credit, no banks, no investors. Sometimes I use investors. But what is the best strategy in these uncertain times to take down those types of deals that I just highlighted for you? Ultimately, it's going to be a subject to strategy. So if you don't know what subject to is, it's uh, it's short for subject to the existing mortgage. And the reason why this is a no money, no credit and all that good stuff is because of how you're structuring this deal. 
So you're not going to apply for a loan, which is very hard in these uncertain times, right? Loan requirements are definitely tightening up. So if that's how you normally take down properties, then you definitely want to consider how I take down properties, right? I only use subject to and owner financing, right? And these and these strategies, I'm able to take down properties with no and low money down, okay? So ultimately, you'll be taking over the payments of the seller. So instead of the seller, instead of you going and get a loan and you getting a you know a hundred thousand dollar loan just to replace the seller's loan and cash the sellers out so the seller can walk away, you get the loan and you get, you get a new loan and you get the seller's deed. Now it's your property. There's one caveat: you don't have to go apply for a loan. You don't have to get approved. You don't have to meet certain lending requirements. All you have to do is go talk to a motivated seller, build a rapport, explain to them what a subject to is, and that you're going to take over their loan. You're going to take over payment of their loan and and. And you're going to also take the deed to the property. Okay. The deed to the property, that's what gives you ownership. So you'll take over payments, get the deed to the property, and now it's your property and you'll be paying payments on their behalf. That is called subject to investing. Uh, this requires very little money out of your pocket. Doesn't require any credit, right? It doesn't require working with lenders and meeting certain requirements. It's the best investing strategy for these uncertain times. Okay. As you guys know, I have a course called the Motivated Seller Method. Uh, we had enrollment open for about a week or two in February uh, and early March, and we won't have enrollment open again until the fall. But there are plenty of resources out there, and we'll even talk about some ways we can work together to help you uh, build up your portfolio using Subject 2 as well here on this podcast episode. But definitely understand that Subject 2 and owner financing deals are the way to go in this market, and that's kind of you know how I see uh, the the next few months or the next few quarters playing out rather. Number six, why is it important to seek only the types of sellers that are motivated by circumstance? So you may often hear the term motivated seller getting thrown around in different real estate circles, and you may not know exactly what that means or why that's important or why we don't look for properties on the MLS or why we don't go to Zillow.com and start scrolling. Um, not to say you can't find motivated sellers there, but ultimately I look for a seller that needs help and needs help bad. If I was selling one of my properties today, I would want full price. If I was selling one of my properties and I wasn't in any major stress or it wasn't because I needed some extra money or any, or any of the reasons why people may need to hurry up and sell, I would sell for full price. I would list my property on the MLS and I would want full price and I would wait until I got that. It only makes sense, right? There's no pressure for me to sell at a discount, sell for lower than full price. But there are certain people who sell their properties out of desperation, who sell because maybe they just uh, lost their job. Maybe there was a divorce. Um, maybe they inherited the property. They live all the way in New York and they don't want to manage any tenants. Maybe they're a burnt out landlord, right? There's so many reasons why people sell properties. And if you can find people with the right motivation, you can make some spectacular deals happen. I remember, uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I was, um, I had been, um, in Mexico for about a month and I started watching the news and, um, keeping up with COVID 19 and making sure that, I didn't need to worry about returning back to the U.S. Or if I did, I would know. Right. 
And slowly but surely, like, I started seeing borders close. I think I saw, like, the Canadian border close. And I don't know if it was for flights as well, but I know, like, the ground border, like, was closed. And I was like, uh-oh. Like, I started seeing, like, rumors and hearing from flight attendants that were saying, yeah, Mexico's next, Mexico's next. And I was like, oh, man, like, what do I do? Like, on, on, on the one hand, I can I can stay here and just kind of, you know, quarantine here and just kind of chill and have fun. Like, nobody here was, I was in Mexico at the time, nobody there was talking about corona. Like, it wasn't a big deal. Like, tissues paper was stocked everywhere we didn't have to worry about anything like it was literally bliss throughout the month of march um and that was an option for me but at the same time i was like i know it's eventually going to start spreading here and i know that you know we may or may not have the best medical treatment in the u.s and have um have more resources if you know if i ever needed anything right and then again i'm you know close to family and friends and all that good stuff so i was like well i could go back but again i don't know if i want to go back because so many people there are so many u.s cases and why even myself in another plane and the airport and all this stuff and then you know i started seeing the writing on the wall that it was probably not a good idea to to, to stay because I, I only bought, bought a one-way ticket and I was already there for a month and I had planned on being there pro- probably until things died down like for the next few months but I finally decided after watching the news for a while which again is something I hate I never watch I totally despise the news and we can get into that later but I decided to go against my my judgment or what I wanted and I was like let me just head back to the states so I booked the ticket and uh, mind you when I first got to Mexico I flew in through Cancun and straight from Cancun I went to a city called Playa del Carmen and uh, it's one of my favorite cities of all time Um, I love Playa I stayed in Playa for about seven days uh, which is a little bit south maybe about 30 to 45 minutes south of Cancun in the Cancun airport Um, stayed there for seven days went back up to Cancun for another seven days and then came back down to Playa for another seven days um, after that, I was like, hmm, let's go down south even further. So I went to a town called Tulum. Uh, that's maybe another 30, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour away from Playa. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm in Tulum. I asked a few locals about, um, leaving from the airport, uh, leaving to the airport from Tulum because I started watching the news and they're like, oh, it's not that bad. It's about an hour, you know, and this is how you do it and all this good stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, you know, it's an hour. I just have to make sure that, you know, I book a good flight and, you know, I get, I get the transportation that they told me to get, which is the ADL bus and all this stuff. And I got really good directions and all that good stuff. So I was, I was set. So the day comes that, you know, I need to head to the airport. And I'm leaving from Tulum. And again, mind you, when I when I came, I came to go straight to Playa. Then I went up to Cancun, then back down to Playa. Like I never really had travel from Tulum to the airport or from the airport to Tulum, like, you know, because I was city hopping. And ultimately, the day I left, uh, my flight was like at 335 in the afternoon, probably on a Thursday. And so I decided, OK, if it's at 335, get to the airport by maybe 230. Um two o'clock i think two o'clock would be perfect and um just kind of hang out right so if i need to get there by 2 30 late it's two o'clock that would be perfect let me leave let me get you know let me get on a bus that maybe leaves at one or you know 12 30. so i get to the i get to the ado the, the it's not like the regular transit bus but these are like high-end buses that have wi-fi and all this great stuff it was pretty cool um so i get to the ado bus and 
um, wait in line, get my money exchanged, all this good stuff, and um, get on the bus finally. And we probably didn't pull out until maybe 1, 1.15. Um, and my flight's at 3.35. So I'm just like, okay, cool. I'll be there at you know 2.15 latest. People say it's about an hour away. I'll be there at 2.15. I'll be good. We start driving, and we're actually driving for a good minute. And I looked at the time, and it hit an hour. I was like, man, like, okay, it's two fifteen. Like, my flight's at three thirty-five. They'll probably stop letting people on at about three o'clock. Um, so, so let me, you know, let me ask this guy what's going on. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of time for me to go through, um, you know, drop off my luggage, go through TSA, and all that good stuff, right? So ultimately, I asked the bus driver, I was like, hey, you know, how far are we? How much time is left? And he said, well, we're about 30, 45 minutes away. I was like, are you serious? Right? Like people had told me, the locals had told me it's about an hour. And I don't know if I misinterpreted, if my Spanish was the law, if I don't know what happened, or maybe they didn't know what I was saying. But ultimately, I was screwed. By the time I would have gotten to the airport... Uh, boarding would have started and probably almost ended. And you can't check into your flight less than an hour or less than 45 minutes, I think, in some places before your flight. Well, it was already 2.15. So in 20 minutes, it was going to be the cutoff. But we weren't going to get there until another 45 minutes. So I tried to use the Wi-Fi and I tried to rebook all this stuff and it wasn't working. And I was just frustrated. So when I got there, I got to the airport and... Um, I hurried and I went to go try to find the line. I don't know why, because by the time I got to the airport, it was like, it was like three, three or five or something. And it was just, it was just pointless. Um, but I went to go try to find the line and on my way to the line, a guy stops me and he's like, Hey, um, what's your flight? You know, what are you looking for? I can help you. It's like, no, I don't need any help. I just, I mean, I, I just need to go, go find how to, how to get on a plane today and head to the U.S. Now, mind you, everybody has gloves and masks and all these things on. You know, so I'm super paranoid about shaking hands and all this other stuff. Um, but he was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you need? Like, let, let me help. You know, it looks like you, uh, I told him I missed my flight. So I was like, yeah, it looks like you missed your flight. Maybe I can, I can, I can help you, you know, get to your next destination or, or book another flight. And he wasn't like one of the people who work for the airlines, but he was like a third party service. And I looked at his shirt and he was a transportation. He was with the transportation company. I was like, oh, he's, you know, he's a weird guy, but he's, I guess he's trying to be nice or maybe he's trying to eventually work me up to a, um, needing his services to go back to play or to loan because there's obviously no flights leaving today. Um, which was the case because we had, he had gone through, he was like, hold on, stay here for a minute. I didn't, I really didn't want to talk to him. I didn't really didn't want to stay. I wanted to keep going and finding lines and talk to other people who were part of the airlines. But it was like, no, 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 no. Like I, I'll do this for you. Stay here. So he went to go get a phone and he started looking at flights. He was like, yeah, like 80% of flights to the U S are canceled. And which again, he was right. Like a lot of flights to the U S were being canceled that day. And my flight wasn't, wasn't one of the ones that canceled, but I missed it. So he said, your best bet is to just go back, uh, book another flight for tomorrow and go back into, in, into the city. And I'm like, again, he's a transportation service. Of course, that's what he wants. So I was like, no, I think I want to leave today. I need to find a way to leave today. Do you, you don't think there's any way possible? He was like, no, there's no way. I don't see any way possible for you to leave today. There's like one or two flights left. And I don't think you're going to be able to make those and, you know, all this other, all this other stuff. I was like, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 you know, I'll take my chances. Let me go. Let me go find out more information. But I appreciate your help. 
So after that conversation, I went not into the, the line to kind of check out my baggage, which is what the line I was going to go into before, but I went into the customer service line for my airlines to see if maybe I can get my ticket swapped, right? Even though I'm the one I'm at fault and actually they're at fault because they originally, well, okay. Anyways, even though I'm at fault, um, hopefully I can get my ticket swapped, but this ticket swap line was so long, so long. And I was like, okay, it's long, but maybe it moves fast. So I get into the ticket swap line and I start to think everybody's hysteric. Like everybody's running around like with gloves and masks and sanitizer and six feet apart. And, you know, there's so many Americans at the airport who don't have flights, but they're trying to get on planes because everybody's literally trying to get back to the U.S. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, this is a pandemic for real. Like, this is bad. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to be able to leave at all, like not, not tomorrow, but at all. So I stand in this line and literally I stand there for about 30 minutes and I'm like the whole 30 minutes. I'm just kind of like, oh, my goodness, like I need to hurry up and get on the flight. Like there's probably one or two more flights left for today. Like I got to hurry, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. The line does not move. Not one bit for 30 minutes. Not one bit. So like I'm super like now I'm getting like super paranoid. So I go on my phone and I start saying, well, maybe I can look at these flights myself. So I already know what to tell them once I get up there. The specific airline, I can't remember what it was. They didn't have a flight for me. And I normally fly United. I don't know why I didn't fly United this time, but they didn't have a flight for me. So I started looking up all kinds of flights. Like I can take any type of connecting flights just to get to the U.S. and eventually get to Texas. But anyways, I found a flight that allowed me to fly straight to Texas, straight to Houston. I was like, oh, wow. There's, But this flight is in an hour and a half. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get on this flight. Let me see if there are any available seats. And there were, okay, there are available seats. But I was like, I'm in this line trying to not pay for another ticket, but get my flight rebooked. And hopefully that works out. But whether or not that works out, I'm going to miss this flight right here that I could easily go ahead and book through another airline, United, my normal airlines, and just pay a few hundred dollars. So what do I do? Do I wait in this line and risk missing this flight? And then getting to the front of the line only for them to tell me, hey, your flight is not going to be able to be rebooked. Or do I just go ahead and buy this flight, get out of this line and head to that flight now? (laughs) I was motivated. I was motivated. I wanted to get home. Like at first, I didn't want to leave. I never wanted to leave throughout the whole period. But once I got to the airport, I'm like, I'm already here. I might as well leave. I've already risked being at a public place with all these thousands of people. I'm not going to do this again tomorrow. I need to leave today. I was motivated. So ultimately, I made a decision in that line. I was like, let me get out of this line. Let me buy this ticket and let me see if I can hurry up and get to this terminal. I buy the ticket, a few hundred bucks. I get out of the line. I lose my spot in line. And I said, YOLO. Now I'm going to another race against the clock to get to another terminal. So I walk back i walk to i walk outside of the airport to where the you know passenger pickup is to see if i can find a taxi or a shuttle or something because i know they got shuttles you know how we have shuttles that trans transport between different different terminals and i found the guy who walked up to me earlier he was like hey what happened did you did you did you were you able to rebook it i was like no i wasn't able to rebook it but i just went ahead and bought a new ticket he was like yeah for tomorrow so you want me to you know find a way to get you back to your house i was like no i found one for today he was like oh you did good good um where, where is it? And I told him the terminal. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can help you, you know, send you to that terminal. And I was like, okay. Again, I felt like he was sketchy. I was like, whatever. He's been trying to help. So what's up? You know, he's like, okay. 
Um, he was like, okay, well, that terminal is like three, four, max five minutes away. I'll get my driver and he'll be able to take you straight to the terminal. No worries. You'll go straight and you'll be able to get in line and you'll be fine. I was like, wow, this guy's God sent. Maybe he's not so bad after all. And then he tells me the price after I just bought a brand new ticket on the spot. He tells me the price and he's like, yeah, so to take you about three minutes away, it's going to be about $40, $45. And obviously that it's not a big deal. It's, you know, $45 in a general sense, but for what is being produced, which is taking me <laughs> three minutes away, it's outlandish, especially in Mexico where I pay 35 pesos for the average ride. Uh, and just to give you context, 35 pesos is a little over a dollar. So again, we're, we're in Mexico. So you have to think about how exorbitant that price is. And I was appalled. I was like, I'm okay. I'm going to find one of these airport shuttles. I've been to enough airports to know how they work. I'll find a shuttle and I'll be there in, you know, five, 10 minutes, whatever. And he was like, no, the shuttles are about lagging about three, four hours. I was like, what? How? And it was the pandemic. Like the shuttles were full. They were lagging. I was like, there's no way. Like, and you can't walk to another terminal. Like the, the I mean, airports are huge. So right then and there, I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. So I can't take a shuttle. Maybe I'll find a taxi. No taxis. The only service, the only option available for me to make that flight was to go with him. And I decided to do it. I was like, you know what? Let's do it. If you can, if you can do it for forty dollars, not forty five. You can do it for forty five for forty dollars. Let's do it. You know, just bargain a little bit. Like, okay, we'll do it for forty. So he grabs my luggage. He uh, he takes it to. He calls this guy, and the guy pulls up, and he puts it in the trunk or the back. It's a it's a van, a small, real small van, maybe like an eight seater. It's a small van, white van. Um, and I see like. Four other people, uh, one couple and two other people in, uh, in the van. And I sit in the very, very front with the driver. And ultimately, the guy comes by with his credit card reader and he swipes each of our cards for $40, for $40, $45. So easily they made about $200, $250 on this trip. Just going three minutes shuttling back and forth. They made about two. I was like, wow, this is a great business. This is insane. And I paid for it. And other people paid for it because we had a need that needed to be served. We had, we, we had a circumstance. We had, we were motivated. We were motivated past the average individual. We were motivated past the individual who lived in Mexico City, who was trying to get home, but you know, he was in play for, for the weekend, right? I mean, he, he'd stay another night, he'd crash. I was trying to get back to America. My motivation was through the roof. And so is everybody else in, the, in, in that van. So it goes to show you that under normal circumstances and what the locals, the locals would never do that. Like, that's absurd. You know, normal people would never do that. That's absurd. Buy another ticket and, and, and then, and then pay, pay for a shuttle like that. Like, but again, the situation that might be myself, I was particularly in, it demanded that I take massive action to get to the goal that I needed. And ultimately, I want you to know that that's how you need to think about these motivated sellers. Not all sellers are a good fit for our strategies, but the ones who are in dire need, they are a great fit for our strategies. And what's crazy is after he swiped my credit card, I don't remember how many times I thanked him. It went from me thinking he was super sketchy, right? He obviously just wanted my money. So we built a relationship. We laughed a few times throughout the whole process. He swiped my card and I 
thanked him for charging me $40 to get three minutes away because there was no other chance. There was no other possible solution. And I thanked him for his services because I was that happy that I was finally able to get back to the States. You guys think about these lowball offers that you're making for wholesale deals, you feel uncomfortable. But on the other end, when you complete one of those, you'd be surprised at how many people tell you thank you for making them a lowball offer, but an offer that worked for them to get them out of another situation that they were in. This is the definition of motivation. And when you only go after motivated sellers, you have the possibility to do some great deals. So I hope that kind of gives you a little bit of insight as to why motivation is so important and what motivation can actually do for an individual. Question number seven. How much money do I need to save for a down payment? I love this question because it can take it so many different directions. I can say, well, it depends on how big the property is. It depends on the type of loan program you get. It depends on what your goals are, which we'll ultimately get to because that's the ultimate answer. It's going to depend on where your goals are and what type of investment strategy you're pursuing. So there's a lot I can riff off of with this question, but I want to ultimately start with the amount of money that you need say for a down payment is the amount of is, is where you currently are today if you want to invest today right now you should go ahead and invest today right now with the money that you have today right now and it may sound weird it may be off-putting for some of you you're like well i don't have any money but you have all the resources especially here in america you have all the resources at your disposal to get deals done now okay so the amount doesn't really matter. And, you know, it's funny. One of my uh, mastermind members, he has a client um, where I think the client was paying like $1,200 in rent. Every single month paying $1,200 in rent. And he wanted to be a homeowner and perhaps even start being an investor through that home. But first being a homeowner. So ultimately, he decided, him and my mastermind member, uh, they decided that he was going to... Um, enroll in a loan program that allowed him to put no money down. An actual loan program that allowed him to put no money down. So in this transaction, he put zero dollars down for the down payment. Going back to the answer to your question, how much do you need? He put zero dollars down. And at the end of that transaction, his monthly mortgage came out to be $1,100, which is $100 cheaper than his rents. But now he owns an entire property. He owns an entire property. He's building he's building equity in this property. He has tax breaks. There's so much that he's now being privy to as opposed to being just a normal renter. And when he moves out of that property, it's a new rental property. He put zero money down and he lessened his expenses. How many people would love to do that? Right. Ultimately, it's because he educated himself on the things that most people don't educate themselves on, right? So if you're like, I want to get started in real estate, but I have to wait until I get my credit score up or I have to wait until I get the down payment, right? Or I have to wait until uh, I learn a little bit more. Whatever the case, whatever your excuses, know that there are other people who have tried and succeeded at what you're trying to do without what you have or without what you're trying to get. There's a way around everything. You just have to learn the rules of the game. So you can have a $0 down payment. You could have a $40,000 down payment, right? Ultimately, depends on what you believe. Seriously, what you believe. If you believe there's a way to get in and have a down payment of $0, you're going to find that way. Heck, you've already found that way, 
right? We have owner financing, we have wholesaling, we have subject tools. These are all strategies inside of MSM. MSM, if you don't know, it's the motivated seller method. It's my, it's my implementation method, my strategy for taking down deals with no money, no credit, no financing and catering to a motivated seller's needs, right? It's currently closed for enrollment, but, um, the waiting list is definitely alive and thriving. So you could head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash MSM to get on the waiting list. That course opens back up this fall. I've been thinking through this crisis that there may need to be a little adjustment to that because I know so many people are sitting at home. They want to get started in real estate. They want a full, they want a full implementation system and they don't want to wait until the fall. Uh, just because COVID-19, I've been brainstorming about different ways to get that kind of content out. Um, and we'll talk about that here on, on, on the end of today's episode, but ultimately MSM won't be out until the fall. So head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash MSM to get my entire package on how I take down deals with wholesales, with owner financing and subject tools. And also there's a fourth strategy that I use called the tenant buyer strategy, which is absolutely mind blowing. We'll talk about more about how you can learn about all this stuff uh, on an upcoming webinar that I'm hosting for free for you guys. So uh, definitely stick around to the end of the episode for that. So when it comes to down payment, I want to leave you with this. It's all about your mindset. It's all about the education that you get in the space, but also it's about your investing strategy. So if you head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash guide, G-U-I-D-E, uh, you're going to download my newbies guide, which is going to help you kind of filter through all the different investment strategies and filter through exactly where you are today, how much money you have, what your connections are, what your education is in real estate, and then where you want to go. How many units you want to own, how much in passive income you want to make, all that good stuff. And then we're going to close the gap and figure out what that gap is between the time that you're starting and what time you'll get to that goal. So for me, I started in 2016 and my goal was to make five, ten thousand dollars a month in passive income in two years. My very first property, I started cash flowing $250 a month, but my down payment was $20,000. It was like 18 and some change. So ultimately, that was my life savings. And if I wanted to cash flow at 10K a month or even let's just say 5K a month, I needed about 19, $20,000 down payments to replicate what I did for that first deal. And that's absolutely insane. Where am I going to get that money from? I used my entire life savings, right? So what I would do now and what I would suggest to younger me is don't use $20,000 for, for a down payment. Don't go the traditional way. And I'm not saying the traditional way is wrong for you. I'm saying for my situation and my goals, where I was, what I wanted and how fast I wanted to achieve that, right? I had a two-year goal, right? And there was no way I can come up with twenty. down payments in two years. So I had to rethink my actions or rethink my goal. I wanted to keep my goals. I had to rethink my actions to get there. So ultimately I decided that the next time I get $20,000 or $30,000, I'm not going to put it all towards the down payment. I'm going to build a real estate business. I'm going to use strategies that allow me to get into real estate with no and low money down and use that money towards marketing. Now, that didn't happen for maybe in a year or two later. I still bought a few more properties. I bought a few more single families. I bought uh, some multis as well. But ultimately, I decided that after after about, about a year and a half, two years, that I needed to strictly start using my money for marketing and strictly focus on taking down deals with no and loan money. So this is all stemming from my resources, including education, not just money, but also education, even connections, my resources, my goals, and then how long I'm giving myself to get to my goal, which again, for me was two years. 
So with all of this, I happened upon the strategies that I use today that I teach inside of MSM. So it's going to go back to your roles. It's going to go back to where you are, what you're working with, what the resources are. But whatever resources you have today, you can get started today. Whatever down payment you have today, you can get started today. I guarantee you, you just have to open your mind to that education that's needed for you to get there. Okay, so we're crossing the one hour mark. And I really thought that we were going to get this podcast episode in about 35 minutes. So hopefully this is really good to content. I'm sharing a lot of stories, but maybe we'll get through a few more questions and maybe we'll have a part two of this of this podcast episode. I'm still on my first glass, almost done with it. Maybe I can get to the second one before uh, we wrap it up. So let's mosey along down to question number eight. Is it better to invest in the suburbs or the city? This is a great question. I'm gonna give you a short and sweet answer. It's all about the numbers. It's all about the numbers. It all boils down to the numbers. So just make it a numbers game. Um, to go a little bit more in depth, like let's just say you're investing in Airbnb properties, right? You're investing in properties to turn them into Airbnbs. In that situation, I would invest in the city. I, or I would invest as close to the city as possible. I would invest in a tourist town, in a tourist city, in a tourist attraction, a tourist area. Um, the only way I wouldn't do that is if the numbers made sense investing outside of the city, right? So again, it's always gonna boil down to the numbers. Even in the city, the numbers may not make sense, so I still may not do it. So I'm ultimately gonna look at the numbers um, for rentals, right? I can invest in the suburbs for rentals, that's easy, that's no problem, that's what I do mostly anyways, right? Um, I can invest in the city for rentals, but regardless of if I'm investing in the suburbs or the cities, the numbers need to make sense. And when I say the numbers, I mean like your mortgage payment versus how much money you're bringing in through rental payments from your tenant. Right. So if those types of numbers make sense, then that's what makes it a great investment, not thinking about whether city or suburban and things of that nature. So I hope that gives you a little bit of insight of how I think about these things. It has to make sense on paper first. What book recommendations? This is question number nine. What book recommendations do you have for someone just getting started in real estate? So. I'm not ashamed to say that in my entire adult life, I did not read a single book <laughs> up until the age of 25. Um, I think around 18, 19, 20, I tried to read 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene three, four, five, six times. I tried to read it on airplanes at home before I went to bed. I tried so much, but I just wasn't a reader. And it's crazy because in middle school, high school and stuff like that, I was a reader. I loved reading uh, more fictional books, though. But... It wasn't until 2016 where I started facing life challenges and circumstances were just hitting the fan. And um, I really needed to get into this personal development where I picked up a book that changed everything. And that book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I would recommend that you start with that book. Um, and that's by Robert Kiyosaki. Now, with that book... Um, it's not going to give you concrete steps to jump into real estate. It's going to give you a vision. It's going to give you, it's going to, it's going to inspire you. It's going to show you exactly how to think about money, how money works. Right. And it's a beautiful, beautiful book to get started. Another book, which is my favorite book is called the four hour work week. This is by Tim Ferriss. Uh, so I would recommend those two books first starting out. Ultimately, uh, me personally, once I started with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, I started reading about, I think that first year, I didn't, I didn't start reading until like May of that year. 
um, or, or April of that year. I think that first year I probably read like 19, 20 books. Again, I hadn't read a single book in my whole entire adult life. And since that year, I've read about 40 to 50 books a year, every single year. So if you head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash resources, I have a top 10 book list from 2016 all the way up so that you can get all of my recommended books. Last year, 2019, my most highly recommended book is called The Surrender Experiment by Michael J. Singer. It is a beautiful book and it's a perfect book to read during these times. It's called The Surrender Experiment. Hopefully some of those recommendations help. Um, I haven't don't really give this link out much anymore. But again, I'm an Audible affiliate, which I mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast episode. So if you want to listen to those books for free, you get two free books on Audible if you head over to beforethemans.com forward slash book, B-L-O-K. So uh, that covers book recommendations, uh, beforethemans.com forward slash resources to get my top 10 list year over year, and beforethemans.com forward slash book to use Audible and get two free books on me. Question number 10, and I think we'll wrap up with question number 10 and maybe we'll do a part two. So continue to submit your questions. Hit me up on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Lalia, or you can head over to beforethemans.com forward slash Instagram. Uh, hit me up via our private Facebook group, which is over at beforethemans.com forward slash group. Um, hit me up via email, deray at beforethemillions.com. I don't care how you reach out to me, but get your questions in. Let's make sure we get you to your goal. I don't want you stagnant in Q2 or Q3 or Q4 of this year or any year. So definitely get your questions to me. And if we don't answer it in this forum, in this session, I'll definitely shoot you a quick response and get you an answer. So again, my Instagram handle is beforethemillions.com forward slash Instagram. Which reminds me, today has been a day full of Q&As. Like I did a ton of Instagram Q&As. I did a Facebook live Q&A inside of the group, which I often, I think I did two live Q&As today, guys, uh, just answering a ton of questions. So again, take advantage of that because I can almost be your personal mentor through these groups. So head over to beforethemans.com forward slash group to get your dosage. Last but not least, question number 10, we'll end with this. What are the different ways in which we can work with you, DeRay? So there are quite a few ways that you can work with me if you're looking for a uh, real estate mentor, if you're looking for a coach, for a consultant, someone to venture, uh, bounce your ideas off of, if you're looking for an accountability partner, maybe you're looking for a real estate partner. There's a ton of different ways that you guys can work with me. Um, I'll start by saying that way number one, which is uh, a beautiful, beautiful system. Again, I've talked about this a little bit earlier, but MSM, the Motivated Seller Method, which is my brand new course that came out earlier this year. The card is currently closed. I'm currently working with all of the students who uh, who enrolled in the course in February and March, and we're getting them to their real estate goal. Now, this is a self-study course, but it also comes with two weekly Q&As every single week where we show up live and we get you to your goal. Um, and this is a way you can work with me uh, when the cart opens back up. So that's over at beforethemans.com forward slash MSM. And it's my entire real estate system and strategy from beginning to end. It's eight modules. Uh, you'll learn how to create your business entity. You'll learn how to analyze deals. You'll learn how to talk to motivated sellers. You'll have all the scripts. You'll learn automations. You'll get all the contracts. So my contracts were actually three grand, about three to four grand. And then to get them universal for all cities and all states in the U.S., uh, it cost me another two grand, about 1.5 grand to get that all done for you guys with my attorney. So 
MSM is the real deal, right? Everybody who's been through MSM has gave it raving uh, reviews and they love it. Absolutely. So that's over at beforethemans.com forward slash MSM to get on the waiting list. And we'll most likely release the course um, for a short time. It'll be about a week's window in uh, August or September, latest, um, latest October. So I just want to make sure that uh, you know that's one way that you can work with me. Another way that you can work with me, uh, which uh, this way is actually not inexpensive. <laughs> it's not cheap. Um, this is my one-on-one private coaching. And this is one of my favorite products because I'm able to help you side by side build up every facet of your business. So taking, for instance, every single thing that we go through in MSM when we go on these weekly live Q&As, um, it'll almost be like when, we're, when you're a one-on-one client, it'll almost be like I'm sitting beside you and we're building your business together. You're not in it alone and we're, we're doing everything 50-50. Like it's one of those things to where this is the most amount of value that you can get as you build your business and you have accountability, you have a partner to lean on, you have somebody who's going to do deals with you, you have somebody who's going to motivate you and support support you, uh, shower you with gifts. I mean, there's so much that goes into my one-on-one coaching program. It's ridiculous. There's no way I can talk about all that here on today's episode. But if you want to learn more, uh, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash workshop. And I don't accept all applicants. I actually accept maybe about 10%. I've never actually said this, um, but I accept about 10% of the applicants because this this utilizes so much of my time, so much of my time, and it has to be with the right people. If I'm going to spend two to three to five hours with you per week, one-on-one, um, it's one of those situations where it has to be somebody that I'm compatible with. It has to be somebody that's motivated, that's driven, that's determined, that's going to get the results. Um, and you know, there's a vetting process. So um, it wouldn't hurt to fill out the application. Maybe we'll get on the phone. We'll talk a little bit more about your real estate investing journey and some of your goals. Uh, but my one-on-one coaching program is really helping you get to the next level and building up your entire real estate business, which includes not only building up a system for passive income, but also building up a system to create active income, such as wholesaling and fixing and flipping, which those fixing and flipping is not an actual strategy that we pursue that we use, but you'll, you'll use a strategy, which is our tenant buyer strategy that makes just as much money as fixing and flipping without all the headaches of contractors, about managing individuals, uh, managing projects, buying supplies, worrying about costs rolling over, worrying about the market changing on you uh, without putting your money at risk, right? There's so much that I do in my strategy that, again, the ways that you're going to be able to learn my strategy is just going through the MSM course over at beforethemans.com forward slash MSM or becoming a one-on-one personal coaching client over at beforethemans.com forward slash workshop. Um, and then the third way that we can work together is off the normal beaten path, um, and it's a very different type of product. It's called the Before the Millions Mastermind. Now, I've been running a high-level mastermind since January of 2019, and we're changing the philosophy and the structure here a little bit here in 2020. But ultimately, and it's still in the works, and you're going to hear a lot of um, a lot more about this in the upcoming week, so no worries. But if you're a real estate entrepreneur, if you're a real estate investor, if you're a real estate professional, And going back to your real estate income, going back to teaching your skills, right? Um, If you have knowledge about what you've done that's been successful, 
right? Maybe you have a platform, you have a podcast. Maybe you're, you're, you're thinking about growing an email list, right? One of my mastermind members currently, um, we got him to start an email list last March, March of 2019. And I think he has a few hundred subscribers today. And he's been able to pull out of that email list so far, $20,000 out of that email list. So this is a real estate professional who's getting ready to open up his own brokerage. And these are the types of uh, bright minds and individuals that you'll be meeting with on a weekly basis in this mastermind. Um, how this differs from my other products is I'm not teaching you how to become a real estate investor and buy real estate. This is more of a meeting of like minds. Right. We all have our own niches in real estate. We're all doing our own thing. But ultimately, um, we're wanting to spread the knowledge of what we're doing. Right. Whether you have a platform or you don't have a platform, you want to educate. You want to teach what you're doing so that other people can benefit off of your success and then to become successful. So um, we touch on things like uh, family, uh, health, um, wealth, relationships. I mean, we're, I mean, it's a band. It's like a brother and a sisterhood. Like we're all a close knit family. And it's, it's that imperative that if you ever think about joining a group like this, that those are the qualities that they uphold, right? Um, we have each other's back. We give each other's resources and connections and things of that nature. So it's a very different product than all of my other products. And it's for those of us who already have a successful real estate business or on the way to a successful real estate business and they want to start helping other people by maybe creating a course creating a podcast, uh, uh, being prominent on social media and using those means to accentuate your business, but also using those means to create revenue, another source of revenue through your teaching and consulting and masterminding and, and, and workshops and uh, live events and things of that nature. So again, the details and the crux of this is really being ironed out over the next few weeks. So you'll hear a lot of promo about this, but if you're even in the slight it's a bit interested in this mastermind. Uh, let's let's go ahead and, and get you an application. So head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash mastermind. And most likely, as soon as you fill that out, I'll shoot you a quick email almost immediately and see if we can hop on the phone and see if we're a good fit. Because this is another product where most people that apply for this are not a good fit for the mastermind. Um, I'm looking for people who have value to give. Not only are there to take value from others, but have a have their own experience and have value to give to every other member in the group as well. So it's a vetting process. And if you want to mastermind with me, like-minded individuals who are doing great, awesome things in real estate, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash mastermind. And that's where you will learn more about the Before the Millions mastermind. Okay, last but not least, the last way that you can work with me is a free webinar that I have coming up. And I'm actually excited about this webinar. I've never done anything like this before. So we'll see how this goes. I'm working on the format now, and I think it's going to be a webinar to where any and everybody who hops on the webinar, uh, you'll be able to share your screen. Uh, you'll be able to share your audio. Like well, I'll be able to ask you, you'll be able to ask me questions live. Um, it's very different from Facebook because on Facebook, when we do our, our, our lives, like you can only type in the comment box. But on this webinar, it'll be on Zoom and um, you can show up either by phone or by video. I'll be on video and I'll be sharing my screen and sharing slides. But on this webinar, what we're doing is we're ultimately helping you create a virtual real estate business here in 2020. If you're listening to this in 2021, we're helping you create a virtual business in these uncertain times. Um, as real estate investors, we're having to adjust. As real estate professionals, you guys are having to adjust. Everybody's having to adjust. And 
it'd be behoove us to learn the strategies that allow us to social distance. It'd be behoove us to learn the methods that allow us to take down deals right now where lending is tight, right? So I want to teach you guys from A to Z what my system looks like in about a two-hour session. So it's a it's an entirely fascinating workshop. Um, there should be a price point on this at 249 at 199 um, uh, for this workshop but because I've been thinking about what my give back component of this uh, of this pandemic is going to be how I'm going to help individuals get to their goal I decided to make it a free workshop okay so again if you look uh, if you look at my journal back in January back in December you you see concretely that there was a price tag of I think it was 199 there was a price tag of 199 for this workshop and now that this time has come and I understand what's going on and I want to get this content to as many people as possible we're going to have this workshop for free so if you want to learn how to virtual wholesale if you want to learn how to virtually take down rental properties if you want to learn how to get into deals with none of your own money no financing and you want to learn the systems that i use to automate all of this right if you want to learn how i hire virtual assistants so that they can take me out of that minutiae of the business and completely see my real estate system from beginning the very beginning all the way to the very end once we close the deal and we put tenants in there then head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash webinar um, i guarantee you it's going to be mind-blowing uh, I've done a few webinars in the past and every single one of them, people have fallen in love with them and none have ever been like this to where you can actually show up on video. You can actually show up via audio and I'll be able to answer uh, your questions directly. We'll be able to walk through whatever you're going through. We'll have a Q&A session at the end and you'll learn a system from beginning to end. It's going to be magical. Head over to beforethemans.com forward slash webinar. Reserve your seat. There can only be 100 people. This is not a marketing anything. There can only be 100 people on this webinar. This will fill up. Beforethemans.com forward slash webinar. This webinar is going to take place at 1 p.m. Thursday, April 23rd. So at the time you're listening to this, uh, at the time this episode is dropping, this is going to release next week, next Thursday. Uh, and when I say release, I mean, we're going to be live next Thursday on Zoom and we're going to be getting you to your real estate goals. We're going to be helping you build your real estate business again next Thursday, 1 p.m., I'm showing up with a bunch of slides, showing you the, the back doors of all of my systems, all of my softwares, how I set everything up. Like you're going to see everything before the mans.com forward slash webinar. Okay. So guys, this has been an amazing Q and a, uh, this is the first of its kind, our listener question and answer segment. Well, I've been able to answer all of your questions coming in over the past few weeks and we have so many more to cover. So we may do a part two next week in the upcoming week. So if you have any questions that haven't been answered, if any of the questions that I've answered today have sparked additional questions, Hit me up on Instagram. Let's get you to your goal. And guys, sign up for my free webinar. We are in uncertain times. And there are so many sellers who are going to be vulnerable. There's so many investors who are going to be vulnerable in the next coming quarters. I want you to be prepared to take down these deals. I want you to be an awesome real estate investor, a savvy real estate investor, someone who knows how to creatively finance, how to creatively think and get into these deals, because that's what you have to be during these times. So I'm going to show you guys exactly the types of sellers to go after and what they could possibly be going through right now. And then I'm going to try to talk to these sellers and take down those deals. 
head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash webinar to make sure that you reserve your seat today. So guys, that's all that I have for you today. It's been a whole lot of fun. I'm just barely getting through my first class, but no worries. I'm going to pour up the second one and I'll see you guys on the very next episode of the Before the Millions podcast.